Hi, everybody. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And this is episode 74 of Fried Squirms, The Purge. Ooh, yeah, we talked for a while that we're going to do a run of Purge films for a month, so here we go. Call this Fashion Month, because we're going to be purging like fucking supermodels. Yeah, we is. I'm okay with that. God damn. So yeah, so we're going to go with... I've been trying to break myself mentally all week from saying the first Purge. I know you're saying, yeah, because that's the name of the movie that's coming out. That's not the name of that's this so film. That's so funny. This is 2013's The Purge? Yes, the first in the series. That's right. And the first time for both of us. It certainly is. So we're popping all kinds of things over this movie. That's right. Before we get into that, do you have any news from the week? I do, and I know there's probably parallel news stories that we're going to talk about. So I'll talk about some ones that were interesting to me. And I mentioned to you before we started that there's another actor who's been added to the It sequel, or Chapter 2, I should say. The adult Mike has been cast, and that is going to be played by Isaiah Mustafa. Those who might be familiar with him, he stars in Shadowhunters. So he'll be playing the adult Mike Hanlon. And for those who don't know, the rest of the Adult Losers Club cast is going to include Jessica Chastain as Beverly. They have Bill Hader as Richie. James McAvoy is going to be playing Bill James Ransone is playing Eddie, Andy Bean is Stanley, and Jay Ryan as Ben. So we have all of our adults cast. I'm super excited for that cast. I do have to say I'm a little bit disappointed, although Chastain, I believe, was a giant fan favorite. I was always kind of in the camp that wanted Amy Adams for it. She would have been good, too. I do like Chastain. I would have been happy with either or. So my dream isn't coming true there, but oh well. Anything else? Yeah, I did see I, that. I only have one. I only have one small thing that I'm just kind of personally kind of excited about. No worries. All right. So the one I want to get to is I own quite a few films from this distributor. So Blue Underground, they're working on a 4K restoration of Maniac, which starred Joe Spinell back in 1980, directed by William Lustig. So it's pretty big time. I told you not too long ago I watched the 2012 version with Elijah Wood. Right. Yeah, and that's really good. The original is really fucked up, too. So I think it also stars Caroline Monroe, which was a British horror actress. Okay. Queen. Yeah, so so really good film. It's going to be neat kind of seeing the 4K restoration of it. If I'm not mistaken, Tom Savini was also in the film, has an infamous murder scene, and oh, helped with the special okay. effects. So it's going to be nice seeing that bad boy restored. Today, being that it's June 11th, I did see that it was the 25th anniversary of Jurassic Park, which was released oh. on this date in 1993. Holy shit. I was doing a little math in my head. I was trying to think. I remember seeing it in the theater. I was just trying to think what grade I was in in 1993. I was like, I think I was in fifth grade going into sixth grade. Let's see. I as well saw it in the theater. I was five years old, although I would have been four when this movie came out. My hometown theater had one screen. It played one time a night <laughs> for three nights of the week. Nice. So we usually didn't get movies until they were about three months old. So it would have come through my hometown about in August after I would have turned five. Nice. So for you and for your hometown, it was like the premiere for you guys, even though it had you know a three-month mm-hmm. head start. But it's still kind of fun, man. Mm-hmm. There is a uh, theater in Spartanburg that's kind of like that, too. It's You would catch that film a couple of months after it came out. Now, I didn't do it with this one, but there were several. We kind of had to do the same thing. 
Now, if that sounds terrible to anybody out there <laughs> listening, I will say that the upside to that was, oh, let me see, for $5, I could get into the theater. I could get myself a large popcorn Fuck and yeah. a large soda. That's when the $5. dollar bill... dollars. Yeah, so that's when the dollar bill had a little bit more weight behind <laughs> it, dude. Yeah, so it's understandable. Plus, I was paying kid prices. Fuck yeah. You know those cheap kid prices. You know that's right. So, along with that, right... That's the 25th anniversary. I saw that Sam Raimi has an upcoming film starring a Mr. Ryan Reynolds in that film. It's going to be about the Bermuda Triangle. So that's going to be pretty interesting. One other thing I wanted to mention, and I think there's one bit that you want to share, I know for sure. But I saw that the Last House on the Left remake director, he's got a slasher. It's called He's Out There, and it's getting a DVD release in the UK. And it stars Yvonne Strahovski, Baby Hmm. Doll. Yeah, so... It'll be interesting, man. I know we've talked about The Last House on the Left, you know, the original, of oh, course, Wes man. Craven's. Might be talks later on for possible. We, yeah. It's I a like good that one. movie a lot. It's a good one. Uh, although, I mean, we did go back to The Hills Have Eyes, and it yeah, turned out like, I was not as happy with it. So, oh, uh, yeah, ooh, I know what you mean when you man. look back at it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with that next project. So, I mean, honestly, I haven't seen The Last House and Left, the remake, but it's got a pretty stellar cast. I watched it once, but I think I was a little drunk. That happened. It was during college. Yeah, but outside of that, I think I saw something about Elvira, the Mistress of the Dark. She's going to be premiering the 30th anniversary of that film in Salem, Massachusetts. So for those oh. who live in Salem... And or around the surrounding area in Massachusetts, go check it out. Yeah, go have fun. That'd be great. Yeah, might check it out if you know what Elvira. I mean. Elvira. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's, she's still going strong, man. So yeah, that's my little bit of information for the week. Oh shit! So the only thing I have, there's going to be a fucking arachnophobia reboot. I saw that. That's why I wanted to save it for you because it involves a name that we have actually covered before. Uh, James Wan. Who, of course, we covered with Saw. Yeah. But is probably better known for now for, like, The Conjuring oh, yeah. and, like, Fast and the Furious. Exactly. And he's doing the new Aquaman. Like, he's awesome. he's gone on to be fucking big time. Yeah, he's got a big hand now. I think he's producing. He's not directing. Still, so, that's cool, though. But there's going to be one. Should um, be interesting, I mean, because that's another one I saw in the theater as well. I did not see it in the theater, but... I just about wore that VHS out. Oh. Yeah, I know what you mean by that. That was a classic for us growing up, too. Dude, I about watched it. Yeah. that so many times. Fucking love Goodman. Yeah, Jeff Daniels. I mean, has, I was about uh, to say love Daniels. Julian Sands is in it as well. Mm-hmm. Mr. Warlock himself. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a good film, man. Warlock. Damn, that's a... <laughs> that one brings back memories. <laughs> Julian Sands in general, man. I like him a lot. He's a cool actor. So I'm pretty excited that it's happening. We'll see if my excitement holds up as more news about it comes out. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on it. I don't think there's many ways you could really fuck it up. I hope not. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of an easy story. Spiders attack a fucking town. Yeah. But not eight-legged freak style. <laughs> In yeah. fact, let's keep Marquette out of it. Yeah, I know, right? I like me as Marquette sometimes, but let's keep him out of this just to be on the safe side. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. doesn't mean we don't love David. just means sometimes you have to sit in the, in the background. <laughs> be quiet. <laughs> I'm excited to see what they can possibly do with it. Likewise. I think there's ways you can make it, especially nowadays, you could find ways to make it super creepy. I agree. I have a feeling that like CG effects for spiders are kind of cheap. 
I agree with Cause that. Because I think in a lot of scenes, you're far enough away from them that you can get away with kind of like shitty models crawling across oh, yeah, shit. yeah. As for long sure. as the lighting's right, you're never going to fucking tell anyway. You can tell the difference, exactly. But it'll be interesting to see who gets the nod for director and cinematographer and all that good stuff, even the cast. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll keep an eye out for that. But the only other information I have to share is a listener of ours down in Houston, Texas, a.k.a. Harris County, had a birthday over the weekend, so I wanted to wish Marquand a happy belated birthday. God damn it. We, we still giving this motherfucker shout-outs. <laughs> it's my boy. <laughs> of course we are. Of course we are. Thank you, as always, for being a listener. Happy birthday, Marquand. Yeah, so hopefully this will be a good episode for you. <laughs> oh, there's one other thing I wanted to mention. Yeah, dude. Because we didn't really talk about it too much yet. Halloween trailer dropped. Oh, yeah. Which, I don't know ago. about you, I think... To me, this is more important than the fact that, like, It was a movie. And we were super psyched for It, but... Yeah, this is going to be huge, man, considering it's landmark in horror in general, and just in film in general. I'm not sure if it's going to make as much money as It. I think a lot of people are sort of jumping on the Stephen King boat right now. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think Halloween is going to hit bigger in the general audience than a horror movie normally does. Yeah, that's an iconic movie that everybody who's, you know, who's grown up in that time period but probably a, know about it. I mean, as a horror fan, like, this it's has monumental. me way more excited, especially because it looks fucking dope. It does look really dope as fuck. And the, part of the reason, too, is the fact that they got Jamie Lee Curtis back as Laurie Strode. And she Who's was a badass. badass. Yeah. She's ready. She's, yeah. But she's let's primed. see if it's going to be enough. It's okay. I think I was talking to you about this, too, and I think they've got Nick Castle back as the shape as Michael Myers. Yeah, I think the shape's duties are being split amongst Nick Castle and one other cat. I can't remember his name. I wonder whether we see him or not, we see that he doesn't have the mask on when we first run into him in the trailer. Right. And I'm wondering if they got that other cat to be Uh unmasked so he's not as recognizable as Nick Castle. You're probably right about that, yeah. Because considering Nick Castle's got to be pushing 70 yeah. If he's not already. But we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm sure as it gets closer to coming out, and then once it comes out, there's going to be more details about who did what. So Nice. I also did see a little bit, too, that I guess depending on its success in the theater, I know Danny McBride and his partner Green, they're wanting to do a sequel. So I guess it's just, like I said, it depends for those who are in the know. Go check it out, man. At least well, there's, it can't be worse than probably Rob Zombies. So I think there's something big that we should mention. Yeah. Is this trailer confirms what had been rumored before that this movie ignores everything after the first Halloween. You're right. There's so the a chronology stuff. goes Halloween and then this Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so for those who followed the storyline all the way into H3, Mark Juan. <laughs> yeah, this one's on H2O. Yeah. Since H just loves numbers. Which is funny because, yeah, she was in it too. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, so the figure. But no, I mean, I'm familiar with all of them, even the Daniel Harris ones mm-hmm. and stuff. So, yeah, this will be fun, man, to see what they do with it. Yeah. However, I didn't notice an interview where they said, like, they're like, nope, fuck it. She's not, you know. Yeah, he's they're not, not related. They're not related. I kind of like the reasoning. It's like, once they introduced that, Danny was like, I'm not scared of the shape anymore because I'm not related to him. Yeah. <clears throat> and that right there opens up a whole nother plot. Right? Now fucking all bets are off. Like, anybody can be a fucking victim. So that's cool. But one of the interviews alluded to the fact that it sounds like there's going to be, like, little fucking Easter eggs hidden throughout the movie. 
That's pretty sort cool. of alluding to some of the other Halloween movies. I like that. Yeah, they're so tipping their, their hat. I'm going to be on the lookout for the Halloween 3 <laughs> masks yeah. and the fucking silver shamrock. Nice. The entire time when I watch it. I don't know about you, but if they fucking silver <laughs> shamrock. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. <laughs> Shit. Uh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah, there's probably going to be a lot of little Easter eggs here and there. Yeah, I'm going to be on the lookout. I don't know if I'll... I yeah, mean, I think I'm we not going to that I'm not rewatch all the Halloweens just so that I can find <sighs> the Easter eggs to the old ones. Yeah. I'm going to specifically going to be on the lookout for Halloween 3 Silver Easter eggs. Silver Shamrock. Yeah. <laughs> Although somebody pointed out in the trailer that the mask, there's a still from the trailer and it has the puncture wound. Yeah, I saw that. That's dope. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, that attention to detail has me just super excited. Well, that's cool, man. I mean, sometimes it's nice to have a different set of eyes and just, you know, fresh hands on a project. And sounds like, you know, they're sticking to the roots. So this is going to be awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, wait. I just clicked on a link and somebody in the trailer already found out that some of the kids are wearing the fucking masks from Halloween 3. Nice. So... Oh, that's okay. Blink and you miss it, but it's already in the trailer. So fuck yeah, there we go. Let's see if we actually see the silver shamrock anywhere, though. We'll look for it. Right. <laughs> Hell yeah. So yeah, outside of that, man, that's pretty much my news of the week. Like I said, I'm just trying to catch up on Twin Peaks again so I can watch the new season. Dude, I've been watching a lot of the Clone Wars. Nice. Not even horror. Just going hog wild on fucking Jedi for kids. Nice. So. <laughs> Can't blame you, man. That's good stuff. Let's get to the purge. Yeah, got some bolts. Just laughing at a lot of John Travolta. Yeah, we were. So I mean, that's right Can now. We recommend a big going and watching Staying Alive before we recommend <sighs> going and watching The Purge. No shit, man. We That'll make you want to purge something. That's for sure. Yeah, we were looking up some of the pictures. Yeah, you should probably <laughs> oh fucking God. purge your goddamn internet history now. Ah, uh, <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> I want that to be found. All right, so I feel like now with our purge month. Might be a good time to have a couple of those episodes where we explain what we do before we do it every time. I'm cool with that. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, I'm not going to count all my fucking chickens, <laughs> but I'm going to hope that there's maybe new people jumping on because they're like, let's listen yeah, to these assholes talk. Yeah, there's a new Purge movie coming out. Oh, I, I typed Purge in fucking Google and these fucking stoners are. came up. <laughs> Who? Oh. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder what they have to say about the Purge. Nice. Well, So here's what we do. Guts and Bolts, we're going to talk about the cast and the crew for a little bit. We're going to stay spoiler-free, give you a synopsis, give you any warnings. Yeah, we'll definitely give you warnings. And kind of try to sell you on the movie through who's in it and what the other shit that they've Yeah, well, some things you might be in. familiar with. Yeah. Then we're going to move into How Does That Make You Squeal, where all bets are off, and we're going to fucking talk about the movie somehow. Sometimes we pretty much tell you what happens in the movie. Other times we end up talking about yeah just some of the favorite bits that we have some of the ideas that were spawned from watching the film so 
Yeah, just sort of Concepts, what it made us ideas. think about yeah. what all happened in our brains as we were watching it, what we decided to actually write yeah, down. Things in our we notes. noticed, things we learned. Whatever came to mind, because we do all of this stoned. We do. We at least try. <laughs> That's why it's the fried squirms throwing it on Front Street. <laughs> yeah, so you get a perspective through the haze. That's right. Purple haze. That horror through a haze. Ooh, I like that. That's pretty good. So, should we start with synopsis for The Purge? Do, do people not know what The Purge point. is about at this point? Well, for those who don't, this would be a good way to learn. All right, so synopsis for The Purge. The government has made it so that for 12 hours a year, on a day, everything goes. It's all all bets are off. For the most part. For the most part. We'll there are get some stipulations. The, yeah, there's some stipulations, but all bets are off. Everything that's illegal, you can do it. For that 12 hours for one night. This is the story of one family who thought they were safe from it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, so a I bunch of so. dickhead neighbors. Man, no shit, right? Some interesting things about those neighbors. So, I think it's a really good brief synopsis about what this film entails. That was kind of a spoiler, but... Uh, it's I, okay. I, I, I mean, they're neighbors. Yeah. This movie's about, you know... The horror that lies within humans. Yeah. I mean, this it takes place all across America, so it's going to involve neighbors. That's right. Yeah, so like the synopsis, we should segue into some of the people who went into making the film, and I'll start off with our director, who is also our writer on this film, and that person is James DeMonaco. Now, I'll mention some of his directorial credits because he also has some writing credits that I want to mention. So he did some films such as Little New York. He's also responsible for the sequel to these Purge films, and that's The Anarchy and Election Year. He's also directing... Which are going to be coming up in the next two weeks. Yeah, they certainly are, back-to-back. And he's also directed a upcoming film. It's called Once Upon a Time in Staten Island. Now, some of his writing credits are really interesting. I looked back, which I like to do, and he was a writer on the film Jack, starring Mr. Robin Williams. Which which I saw in the theater. It's a good film. He's also a writer for films such as The Negotiator. He's helped write the screenplay for the remake of Assault on Precinct 13. He was a writer on the film Skinwalkers. He's done some television show writing for shows such as The Kill Point, Crash. Did you ever watch The Kill Point? I didn't. That was dope. Um, I'm a little biased because I'm a lifelong fan of John Leguizamo. Oh, I love John Leguizamo. Johnny Legs is killer in it. Yeah? I super dug it. Check it out. I'll give me a reason to check it out. Nice. Now, he's also responsible for writing the upcoming film, The First Purge. And if I'm not mistaken, I know this is probably a little bit of a spoiler, but there's talks of a television show for The Purge. So I think he's helping write that. So moving on from Mr. DeBonico, we have our cinematographer, and that is Jacques Giffret. He's also responsible for doing work on The Purge, Anarchy, and Election Year, which we mentioned are coming up shortly. He's also the cinematographer on the film Truth or Dare, Mile 22, Escape Plan 3, The Devil Station. All right, so Truth or Dare, I heard it blew nuts. Uh, but the fucking me. smiles in that trailer were creepy as fuck. I'm definitely going to watch it as you soon as it's streamable. It nice. I'm just not going to pay like extra money <laughs> to watch it. No, I mean, it's one of those I'll definitely check out if it's you know a rainy day. Mm-hmm. Wish there have been plenty here in Missoula, Montana. Those smiles were creepy, though. That's enough to make me at least want to watch it yeah. sometime, just not with much money. <laughs> no wrong with that. 
right, so we have an editor, of course, on this film, and that gentleman is Peter Gavazdas. Now, he's responsible for editing such things as the documentary made-for-TV film called Everest ER, which talks about the emergency response teams on Mount Everest and what they have to do in order to help people out and get out of that situation. He's also the editor on films such as Dark Skies. He's helped edit some episodes of Scream, the television series. He's also the editor on a film that, like I said, I'm kind of, I like it, but I'm still on the offense on how people <laughs> respond to it. But that film is The Autopsy of Jane Doe. He was also the editor on the film The Babysitter, and he's also the editor on an upcoming film called Polaroid. Now, our music was composed by Mr. Nathan Whitehead. You might have heard some of his work on the films Scarecrow. That's Scare with a K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know about that. Uh, now, he's also done music on the films Aconite, D4. When I thought D4, I was like, it's not the Mighty Ducks. Sorry, people. <laughs> it's a horror film called D4. He's also done the Wait, music. Wait, did they, did they do a D4? I remember D3 kind of blew. That was college. I don't, th- I don't think they did. Good. D3 was, eh, it was all right. However, I think it's time. Reboot Mighty Ducks. I'm down. I'm okay with it. Bring back Emilio. I can rewatch the old ones anytime. It. It's not going to ruin my fucking childhood. No, it won't. That's how I feel about The Sandlot. Like, you yeah. can try to remake that. Just go for it. Yeah. Dude, they re- well, yeah, Sandlot was, yeah, go for it, whatever. <laughs> I mean, try your best. Try your best. <laughs> I don't care. Like, it's not going to ruin any of that. No, no, no. It's not going to ruin my title. But worse, it's going to ruin your fucking pocketbook, so. Yeah, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, Nathan has also composed music for the films Anarchy and Election Year from the Purge series. You might have heard his work on the television series The Last Ship, another television series which is actually set in South Carolina in the television show South of Hell. He's done work on The Veil, Keanu, and Killing Hasselhoff, and there's an upcoming film, Delirium, that you might have heard some of his work on. I have a few special effects teams, but by few I mean one, and that is Method Studios. They help with the visual effects on this movie, and we have some producers, several of them, big name. One of them is Jason Blum from, of course, Blumhouse Productions. We have Michael Bay, who likes to blow things up in his films. He was one of the producers. We have Andrew Form. Brad Fuller, and Sebastian Lemercier. I did mention some of our production teams, one of them being Blumhouse Productions. Another one on this one who helped present the film is Universal Pictures, Platinum Dunes, Why Not Productions, and Overlord Productions, who were actually the copyright holders of this film. Hmm. Our distributors were Universal Pictures. They helped with the 2013 USA theatrical release. UPI, which is Universal Pictures International, helped with the 2013 United Kingdom's theatrical release. This film premiered at the Stanley Film Festival here in the United States on May 2nd, 2013. It had its premiere in the United Kingdom in Ireland on May 31st, 2013, and it had a worldwide premiere here in the States, Canada, and elsewhere on June 7th, 2013. The budget for this film is a moderate $3 million when you compare it to what it actually made. We've talked about this before in the past, so we're not going to maybe delve into it too much, but this is kind of the Blumhouse model. Yeah, is exactly. They spend very little on their movies. It's like, what, like usually like $10 million and under? Yeah, 15 I would say that's probably a fair estimate for the, yeah, for the, usually the budgets for these films. At least for the first one. They'll start spending more if they decide to go and see. Oh, yeah, if they know they have something on their hands, yeah, for sure. And you just end up with these things where necessity is the fucking mother of an invention. Yeah. 
and they end up with some gigantic fucking hits. <laughs> this is no exception. You know, I was thinking when I looked at this number on the bottom, this, this yeah. isn't this isn't the biggest difference we've ever had. No, but it's pretty substantial. It reminded me of how on our 50th episode, one of Jesse's oh, man, little yeah. stack games was the guessing the budgets compared to the return to the box office. Yeah. And this month is going to blow those stats way out of proportion. Yeah, because all of these ridiculous. movies have made money. I haven't looked at anything on the other ones yet. I haven't either. I'm trying to go into them as pure as I can. You um, and me both. But I know that they made money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they didn't, we wouldn't be getting an upcoming film. And they most likely made Blumhouse money. Oh, I'm sure he's okay. And Blumhouse money means the budget on this was $3 million and the box office was? Oh, all right. Let me throw some numbers at you. <laughs> so opening weekend here in the States, this is dated June the 9th, 2013, and made $34 million, right? So it's already made 10 times its budget. It grossed here in the States, it grossed $64.4 million. And then when you add in the cumulative worldwide box office, $89.3 million. Off of three? Off of three. It I'll almost made 30 times all its the time. budget. <laughs> Every day of the week. If I can get a 30 times what I put in. And I'll let's be say okay that, that, and even if they spent like another $10 million oh, on marketing yeah, yeah. that they had to recoup, that's still. You're still looking at a $70 million profit, roughly, yeah. plus. So, yeah, I mean, whew. yeah, if you figure even $20 million if you're going on the high side, you're still making some crazy money. Yeah, especially for three in. God. Yeah, I know, right? Three dollars in. Now I'm I'm getting ninety back. Kinda surprised with at least one of the people that they were able to get for three in. Yeah, likewise. And now that we're kind of out of talking about the people who went into making the film, well, let me give you one more thing, because you know I like my taglines. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, before we start talking about give me the a cast, tagline. I've got two for this film. There's actually three. This one's a little bit more kind of abbreviated to the point I feel. So this one kind of gets back into the synopsis. The first one I have is, One night a year, all crime is legal. The second one I have for this, short and simple to the point, Survive the night. Oh, I wish I would have wrote it down. There was a line in the movie that I felt would have made a fucking fantastic tagline. But Yeah, sometimes lines, you're right, and the films are a little bit more tagline-y worthy. So, yeah, there's, like I said, there's three, but I felt like these two were just short and simple to the point. All right, so... Probably our biggest star in this film, this is my opinion, it's going to be a Mr. Ethan Hawke. <laughs> okay, yeah. Maybe not uh, maybe when not you stack anymore. it now. Yeah. Maybe not anymore, man. I would agree with there. But for me, I mean, I think he, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's arguable. I, can, I agree with you there. But when I start looking at Ethan Hawke, right, and his body of work, I go way back. It was actually his debut film because it also starred a young, very young River Phoenix. And that film is The Explorers, which came out in, I think, 1985. It was one of those grown up. I had cable. I think HBO showed it. And I watched it a shit ton. So after that one, there was a big Robin Williams film. It's actually one of my favorite Williams films. And that is Dead Poets Society. Love the film. I have to admit, I've still never seen Dead Poets. So good. Captain. <laughs> my captain. What I would have first seen him in, but I wouldn't have realized it at the time, Who would have been was. White Fang. Yeah. That's actually a big film, considering it's based off Jack London. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's actually uh, he was in uh, White Fang too, but I think it was kind of a, a credited role, if I'm not mistaken. No, when I first saw him in and was like, "Oh, I like this Ethan Hawke cat," and yeah. decided to remember his name somehow in my head, would have been Gattaca. Gattaca, yeah, that's a good <laughs> film, man. Like I said, grown up watching Explorers. I also knew him from films such as Reality Bites, which has a pretty stellar cast. I think it has Winona Ryder in it as well. He went on to do like films such as Great Expectations. He also did. And he starred as Hamlet in Hamlet. He did some big films kind of right after that, going into like the late 90s, early 2000s. Another fucking training day. I know he also did films like Taking Lives, which is a good one. He was a part of the Assault on Precinct 13, that remake I was talking about earlier. He was uh, in a Nicolas Cage film. Lord of War. Yeah, boy, that's a good one. I like that movie. Jared Leto as well. Uh, not long after this, the fucking super critically acclaimed Boyhood. Yeah, dude, that's a huge one. He was also in films like Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. He was in Brooklyn's Finest. I have him, of course, in Little New York, which was directed by James DeMarco. He was in Daybreakers, pretty interesting vampire film. I really dug him as a Good Night Robot show in the, the Magnificent Seven yeah, man. remake. He was also in... The Anthony Fuqua, I believe. Sinister. He was in that horror film. He's in Good Kill. And... I haven't seen Sinister. Yeah, was it Valerian and the 1000 Cities, or the hell it's called? Was he in Valerian? I still yeah. haven't seen that. I haven't I seen that either. I heard it wasn't as good as it should have been, but I still want to fucking see it. Yeah, but for those who might also know Ethan Hawke, he was a former husband of Uma Thurman. Yeah, I was reading a little bit about all that nonsense. All right, so now this is arguably right now. now. This, <laughs> this is the biggest star in this movie. Lena Headey's in yeah. this movie. Fucking Queen Cersei from Game of Thrones. That's why I say it's arguable, because right now she's... Sarah Connor from so Sarah huge. Connor Chronicles. Fucking Gorgo, Queen of Sparta from 300. 300. Yeah, and she made her return as that in The Rise of an Empire 300, so that was kind of cool. She was in one of the best comic book adaptations to movie screen as Mama in Dread. Yeah, I saw that, dude. That was actually a pretty decent one, too. I liked it. Now, she goes way back, too, in film. She started in a film called Waterland, which actually I think Ethan Hawke was in as well. But they never started in any scenes together, which I thought was kind of neat. Now, she also did some voice acting work. She was in The Jungle Book, which I thought was kind of cool way back in the day. She was in a film called Gossip, which had a pretty good crew. Jungle Book isn't voice act oh no you're right that's the the Uh, live action isn't it i had that on vhs and i wore it the fuck out that's live action nice and she was in rudyard kipling's the jungle book from 1994 that's pretty big when you consider it i mean i didn't know her of course which also had uh john cleese oh nice yeah yeah sam neill big deal (laughs) carrie elvis yeah fuck yeah it's a fucking fantastic movie, sir. <laughs> I have to go revisit that. It's been a long while since I've seen it. Oh, and Jason Scott Lee is Mowgli. Oh, nice. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. That tells you how far back he goes, too. That's cool. All right. Now, you might have also seen Lena in films like Aberdeen. She was in the film The Cave. She was in a Matt Damon and Heath Ledger film, The Brothers Grimm. <laughs> Not the best of films. She was also in a slasher film. I actually need to watch, man. It looks like it's really good. It's called Late to Rest. She was also... And Danger Mouse, the television series, you know, voice acting. She voiced act in Uncle Grandpa, the television series, as Uncle Grandma. <laughs> I was like, that's too funny. And you have also might have heard her work in Troll Hunters, Tales of Arcadia, which I believe that's just more for children. That's a Netflix series that Guillermo del Toro is involved in. That's and so you, we have to watch it at some point. Well, I've considering it is really good. 
considering we did Troll Hunter. I know that's probably not related, but it's still still interesting title. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's rather good. It's DreamWorks nice. in oh, collaboration with Caramel. Probably can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, man, that's good for her. Yeah, like so we mentioned, it's fucking Cersei Lannister, Game of Thrones. All right. So I want to round out the family in this film because both of these actors and actresses, they play James Sandon and Mary Sandon. Now, they have two children in this film. They are played by Max Burkholder, who plays Charlie Sandon, and he's got some pretty interesting credits. You might have seen him early on in the film Daddy Daycare. He was in a Jennifer Aniston movie called Friends with Money. He was in The Land Before Time as Chomper. I know we talked about all those fucking films, but he was in the television series. <laughs> so it would have been like 25, right? Right. <laughs> all right. He was in the television series Brothers and Sisters. He was in Astro Boy as, I think it's Billy, if I'm mistaken. <laughs> He did the voice of Justin Bieber in an episode of American Dad. Yeah, I wrote down that he had some uh, voice acting work in He's Family Guy, Bieber. American Dad. That's funny, dude. He was Rue in My Friends Tigger in Pooh. He was also in a huge television series right now. It's called Parenthood. So if you've seen the television series Parenthood, you've probably seen him. He was in an episode of The Orville as well, which yeah. is it's really good. Starts out really Star Trekky towards oh, the yeah, end of the um, towards the end of the season. Uh, it feels yeah. a little bit more like Doctor Who to me. Which oh. is, I mean, it's still awesome that I can compare the, it to such good sci-fi. Yeah, but I wish it stayed more Star, Star Trekky. It kind of looked like that at the beginning, so that's cool. That's good to see that he's in that. All right, along with Max, we have Adelaide Zane. She plays Zoe Sandin in this film. Now, she goes back because she is an Australian actress. I think she did some modeling, which got her some attention, and she wound up playing Lucy Allen in the television series Neighbors. She was also in an adaptation of Power Rangers, and that was RPM. (laughs) She was in a film called Donner Pass. She was in a lot of David Duchovny films. One of them was Goats. You might have seen her as Cora Hale in the Teen Wolf television series. She was in a David Duchovny film called Louder Than Words. She was in a film called Blood Punch. She plays Queen Mary Stewart in Rain, the television series. And she was also in Once Upon a Time, the television series. I realized I've never seen her before. No, but I'm glad we did. (laughs) She's a baby doll. All right, so I do have some other interesting people in this. We have a gentleman who, this is kind of a spoiler, but this is what they give him Polite leader. Before that, okay, stranger, bloody stranger, bloody stranger. Okay, yeah, yeah bloody stranger. That's all. All these names are vague enough that yeah, I think they're I vague enough. Yeah, I mean, bloody this stranger. is what he is. All right, so this gentleman is Edwin Hodge. He has some really cool credits. Some of his early credits are he was Die in Die Hard, Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, with a Vengeance is like one of the friends of a kid of Dexter. Yeah, he was in The Long Kiss Goodnight. There was a film. It's kind of funny. It's an urban film. It's called The Breaks. It's pretty funny. But he was in that. He was also in films such as Big Mama's House. You might have seen him in Boston Public, the television series. He was in a National Lampoon's film called Dorm Days. He was in The Hangman's Curse. He was in The Alamo. He was in television series Jack and Bobby, Mental. He was in Red Dawn, Cougar Town, the television series. He's in some of the sequels to this series. He's in all of the Purge movies. Yeah. A little so, bit of a spoiler, but he continues his role. So we're going to continue seeing him. He was in a really cool film about the French catacombs. It's called As Above, So Below. You might have also seen him in three television series. One of them is Chicago Fire. You might have seen him in Sleepy Hollow. Or you might have seen him in the television series entitled Six. 
right now you mentioned a gentleman he's in this film his name is reese wakefield another australian actor now he goes back a little bit with television series such as the black balloon which i was looking at it looks pretty interesting he gets uh, some really like high ratings it's about an autistic brother that he has Hmm. i guess that mean like the way that the family has to deal with it it's an australian show he was also in home away the television series you might have seen him in broken hill the movie the movie sanctum he was in a film called nobody walks painted black and he's in an upcoming hbo series i see that this gives me kind of hope yeah he does a good job in this film he's he does great in this movie um we'll see we'll reserve yeah we'll we'll say more later but yeah that gives me hope for the fact that he's cast as a series regular in true detective season three yeah exactly i saw that i was like fucking a good for him i'm kind of glad in a way that they're doing a third series maybe to rectify what they did in the second (laughs) season that is not that it was atrocious but it wasn't as great as the first season there's no way it could have been jesus so good it is we uh, watch that it man that one that one was fucking stellar woody harrelson matthew McConaughey. all right <laughs> so moving on i have tony ollery plays henry in this film he's in some pretty interesting films i got him down as starring in gamera 3 revenge of iris a movie called i flunk sunday school good news about that for me is i never went to sunday school <laughs> so there's no way i could have flunked it you might have seen him in the television series As the Bell Rings. He was in the film Beneath the Darkness. He's also in the television series Gigantic and a film called Relationship Status. I've got three more actors. Wait, you're mis- you're missing out on he's one half of MKTO. I don't know what that is. It's an American pop duo. <laughs> That's funny. Consisting of him and Malcolm David Kelly, who was like on Lost and stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know nothing about them. I just pulled that up. But he is one half of them. I mean, he's a handsome guy. I can kind of see him doing shit like that. You know what I mean? So, well, that's pretty cool. Uh, I didn't know that. I, I'm also, I have no idea who he was either. No, likewise. Yeah, there's a few people in this film. I didn't know who they were. But that's cool. I didn't know he was in the group. <laughs> in fact, probably anybody else that's that funny. we name, I had no idea who they were. That's understandable. There is one person that stood out to me, though. I'll mention him in just a moment. All right, so one of the neighbors, because there's several of them, there's only a few are written down because of what I recognize them from. The first one I have written down is Aria Barakas. She plays Mrs. Grace Farron in this film. She was in films such as Pants on Fire, The Myth of Fingerprints, Snow Falling on Cedars. You might have recognized her for these films. Now, she was in Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, and she had an uncredited role, I think, in the sequel to that, European Gigolo. She was also in an HBO series, which I really like. It's called Oz, the television series. She was in the American Embassy television series. You might have seen her in Crossing Jordan. Before the Devil Know You're Dead, she was in Southland. She was in fucking Joe's Apartment. Yeah, I saw that. I think it was a TV adaptation. Oh. Yeah, I was like, a, I don't think it was that great. But Joe's Apartment is a fucking awesome film, dude. Oh, yeah, she was in the short film that the movie was done okay. based on. Okay. Nice, but that... Come on, Joe. <laughs> Love that film, man. Yeah, she was also in the film The Witch in the Window, which kind of looks interesting a little bit. We'll see what happens with that. Now, one person I have written down, he's another neighbor, but the reason I wrote him down, he doesn't have a huge part in this film, but his name is Chris Mulkey. He plays Mr. Halverson. Now, he goes back in film. He's an older actor. You might have seen him in Rambo's First Blood. <laughs> I think he played the warden in that particular film. He was a cop in 48 oh, Hours no with shit. Nick Nolte. He was Deputy Ward. Yeah. I fucking love First Blood. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, Nick Nolte in Eddie Murphy's film 48 Hours. He was in the film Dreamscape. The reason I wrote him down is because there's a television series I mentioned I've been watching. He played Hank Jennings in Twin Peaks. So if you're familiar with Twin Peaks, you've seen him in that. You might have seen him in Ghost in the Machine. He was in a John Travolta film and Christian Slater film, Broken Arrow. Oh, he's in fucking Cloverfield. Yeah, dude. Damn. He was in The Fan, Behind Enemy Lines. You might have heard his voice in Batman Beyond the television series. Whiplash. Yeah. He was in a film about a gentleman in South Carolina who was a huge fan of a high school football team. And that movie is Radio. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. I actually went and seen that in the theater with my brother because it's like, dude, that fucking school is like an hour away from where we grew up. (laughs) So funny. He's in a really good film. I highly recommend if you like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. The film is Mysterious Skin. It's kind of fucked up. It's really good, though. Highly recommend it. You might have also seen Mr. Mulkey in Friday Night Lights, the television series. You might have seen him in Saving Grace, the television series. Looks like he's done a a lot of... A lot of, a lot of television, a lot, lot of, of movies. He was in Boardwalk Empire, another HBO show. He was in The Jersey Devil and Better Call Saul in the television series. One other person I've written down, I've already mentioned before, that's Peter Gavazdas. He plays Dr. Peter Bynock in this film. He's in it very briefly. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who star as the freaks. There's some other neighbors I haven't mentioned. There's some voices I haven't mentioned, but... We'd be spending hours here Jesus, <laughs> talking about for, these people. For no reason. Cause yeah, because they're in it for a blip. But if they had a bigger part, I'd definitely give them more credit. If you can you know, recognize nurse number three in episode 86 of yeah, Scrubs, then you might know who they are. But Yeah, and that's no discredit to them as actors or actresses. It's just... No, fucking... They're in know. it. We're not. We're just sitting here fucking talking I, about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's to like, say, no discredit to them. I mean, you can look up the, who they are if you recognize them, you know. Sorry, I didn't recognize him. But all right, aside from that, that's our cast. That's our crew. We gave you a synopsis. Now here's the warning part. Let's see. I mean, it's a home invasion. Yeah. We talked about the fact that one night of the year, crime reigns. So you can basically get away with murder. There's a lot of like security footage of murder. Yeah. The murders that are on screen are rather quick. They only say one is particularly bloody at all. Yeah, I think my, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but we've already mentioned a visual effects team. Two, I think most of the blood is might be kind of bloody. CG. But yeah. Um, there's definitely CG blood like, in this. like normal squibs that you can sort of oh, just... Oh, yeah, you can tell yeah. if you're familiar. Um, it's really not that bad for the premise, No, I mean, there's, honest. like I said, language, violence, sexual themes. But it's like, it's, it's well done home invasion, though. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. So those who are... You're not comfortable with that. If you're not comfortable with violence, all the aforementioned, <laughs> you might um, want to veer away. But I mean, uh, that is kind of the. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But murder is also the only crime that they focus on. Yeah. So even though all crimes legal, you don't have to worry about like this movie just throwing everything in the world at you. No. Yeah, you're right. This one focuses mainly on the murder aspect. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, and creepos. Definitely creepos. <laughs> Yeah, outside of that, man, I think that's a good way to let our audience know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, so let's squeal about this. Ready to squeal? Let's squeal. Nice. God, what's happening to me? God, where am I? Why am I hearing these things? Oh, God, what... What's going on? Oh, Jesus, come on. Oh, my God, what's, what's going on? Where, where am I? Oh, gee, why? Why? Come on, somebody, somebody. Ah. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, somebody. Sir, you 
must listen. Somebody, somebody's there. Somebody's got to be there. I will come on, shock you. Come on. Sir. Come on, sir, you must come listen on, to me. Sir, I only have one question. How does that make you squeal? It's on. We can talk about anything about this movie. Like, a lot of them survive. Yes, you're absolutely right. All right, so we talked about the fact that we've never seen this before. Prior to, of course, going into reviewing the film, I knew about it. I'd seen, like, maybe ten minutes of it, roughly. And for whatever reason, I just wasn't paying attention to the film like I should have, so I cut it off. Never got around to it again until we revisited it. So here we are. Yeah, so pretty much the same here. Kind of. I thought I had seen 10 minutes of it. Turns out I had seen 10 minutes of The Strangers. Oh, <laughs> I can see that. Especially with this film and what it entails, yeah. Which is not this movie. Going into it, I knew about it. I mean, I guess that's the first thing I want to go off on, is that I've always been interested in watching this movie. I just never set aside time yet. Yeah, and same reasons. I knew about it. It was one of those kind of put on the back burner and... I won't say I forgot about it, but it's just like, I'll eventually get around to it. But the concept of this movie fucking sold me from day one. Like, I knew at some point I was going to devote some time to watching this movie. Yeah, that's a really which cool is, premise. I mean, the premise alone is kind of how we ended up doing an entire month. Well, plus their success oh, yeah. is how we ended up doing a month of this. I mean, we even talked about the fact that we wanted to talk about Blumhouse again. You know, just because of the home runs they keep hitting, man. It's unbelievable. I went into it as clean as I could. Like, as soon as we decided a while ago that we were going to do a Purge month at some point, I tried to not look at shit about the Purge. Likewise. Yeah, I'd like to watch the film at least one time through without looking a bunch of shit up on it. Yeah, so I wanted to kind of come in with the same angle. But because I was interested in the concept, like, I had looked up a few reviews and shit about it in the past. Mm -hmm. I went in with a few assumptions about it. Everything I had heard was that this one didn't make full use of its premise, but the later ones do and go all out, and that this one was just kind of meh. I actually really fucking enjoyed this movie. I did too, honestly. <laughs> I know we talked about the fact that we kind of hoped that this movie wouldn't suck, or this franchise wouldn't suck. And I'm pleasantly surprised that this film was, yeah, it was entertaining, and it made good use of its location and its budget. One thing I did notice kind of quickly is that it doesn't have as much rewatch value as I would have hoped, and I don't know why. Yeah, um, I know what you mean by that. But, I mean, we've talked about before, I think we each watch a movie at least twice going yeah. into doing these episodes. And that's how many times I watched this one. Yeah. And the second watch through, I found myself zoning out a lot, really not caring about any more than the bits that I already knew I liked from the first time. I actually had an inverse response. The first time through, man, I told you I've been a sleepy bitch all weekend. <laughs> I've just been tired, man. I'm like taking naps. You know, having to get up at fucking 4.30 in the morning is not the best thing in the, in the universe, but it gives me an excuse to take naps later on in the day. So anyhow, I try to watch this film several times the first time. I'd watch like 15, 20 minutes and get all sleepy and groggy and then take a nap and then try to rewatch it. So first time it took me several times. So there was a lot of shit I missed. And the second time through, I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize this or I didn't pick up on this. So I was picking out finer details the second time through. That being said, the first time through, this movie sort of caused me to feel a lot higher anxiety than I really anticipated. Yeah. 
it sort of caught me off guard, but I just kept thinking about, God, what if the fucking purge was real? Like, what the fuck would I be doing in here? Like, my place isn't that well fortified. These fucks could get in here pretty fucking easy. Like, Well, I think the thing about that is the premise, the concept, it's super relatable to anybody and everybody, especially here in the States because that's where it takes place. So it makes you think about those situations. You know, what would you do in case of a robbery or in this case, people wouldn't fucking kill you with impunity. So... I just thought it was a weird reaction because we've done kind of a few different home invasions now at this point, and none of them have really hit me like that. But this one, especially during the first half of the movie, I was just kind of like a little bit put off, a little bit uneasy just sitting there. And I was like, God fucking damn it, Purge. Like, (laughs) how are you doing this? Like, I still don't understand why. I was like, is it because of Cersei? It might be because Uh, of Cersei. (laughs) (laughs) Might be because of Cersei. That's pretty funny. She does a great job, man. Yeah, I know. Everybody... They really do. Uh, For the most part. I mean, acting-wise, yes. Yes. There are some gripes I have about some of the characters. Oh, are you about to say that we have a new kid in the running for worst kid (sighs) that we've covered in a goddamn horror movie? All right, since you bring this out... (laughs) Yeah, dude, I am... I will say this. The kid who is playing that part, he does a good job, man. He's a capable actor. He sold his character. I just didn't like his character in this film because he's a bitch. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. I just don't like him. So, okay. So I think part of the problem with his character ties into the fact that something that I wasn't expecting from this first movie, from just hearing that it's a home invasion, it's a home invasion, it's a home invasion. Obviously, just from the title of the sequels, we know kind of where they were going. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to go that heavy into the political allegory. Oh, there is a lot of that. And I think part of the problem with the kid character is that, like, every character in this movie is only half character and they're half allegory. Yeah, totally. And the Um, movie doesn't take the time to really focus extremely heavily on either side. It also sort of rides the middle. It does. I agree with that. I totally agree with that, especially when you look at them. They're probably not as well-developed as they could have been or should have been, but I do see what you mean by that. Like, this kid, of course, is supposed to, I would say, probably signify a humanistic approach to the situation, somebody who's has empathy, sympathy, you know, who's like, he's not buying into this system of what's happening. And he does things that uh, kind of fuck things up. But, and I agree, I think he's supposed to be like the humanistic approach. But then what's with his fucking hideout cave? I know, right? I mean, (laughs) that is pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't quite understand that. And that's what I mean, is like, you don't get huge character development with most of these people. Like, Ethan Hawke's character is pretty simple when you look at it as a whole. Like, his is pretty simple. Lena Headey's character, you kind of understand her, right? You don't need much development. The sister, or the daughter in this case, you understand hers. The kid's a little different. (laughs) Like you said, he's hiding, but he's also empathetic. Yeah, he, his he's hideout. Yeah, his hideout though is just all sorts of purge fucking stuff. purge drawings. Yeah, I think at least one of them was like point of view of like stabbing another person. I like, yeah, I, I noticed like some hunched over characters that looked like they were purgers themselves. Timmy is just all sorts of fucked up. All right, I was like, I wonder where they got that concept for Timmy, and it made me think about video games. Oh, see, I went somewhere else. You know what I thought where ah. Timmy comes from? Do you want to hear well, this? Hear yeah, yeah. It's a fucking... It's a kid in a wheelchair. <laughs> well, yeah. There was... All right. Oh, my God. This is so funny. 
the second time I was watching this for the note taking. Like Timmy. There were several times in the film. Yeah, where Timmy was rolling. I was like, Timmy. Timmy. Here comes Timmy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I couldn't help but think of South Park, dude. Just but because he rolls around everywhere. Yeah, of course. Timmy. I'm like, it's a kid that rolls around oh everywhere. Gosh, that's so funny. Well, South the, Park's older than this kid is. He would have grown up is. with it. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. It made me think of Twisted Metal, the video game. Just because of the way it's mm-hmm. designed. <laughs> but yeah, with Timmy, I mean, come on. <laughs> and also Toy Story. Yeah, totally. You could also look at it in this weird... I don't know how far I'm stretching with this, but it kind of looks kinky. Like weird mm. baby doll fetish. Uh, I'm not that the kid was doing that. You mentioned kind of knowing like Ethan Hawke and Lena Headey's deal. Ethan Hawke kind of playing against type in this. He's kind of square. Yeah, he even mentioned that a little bit. I know we both own the Blu-rays and, you know, has features and all that stuff, but he even talked about that. Like his character, he's like usually a play these, you know... He's usually like a cop. Yeah, he... We mentioned all those films, Training Day, Brooklyn's Finest, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's like a gruff against type here. Yeah, for sure. And he even mentioned, he's like, this guy's pretty square, you know, in just the fact that he buys into the purge. He's a salesman. He's selling the security systems. He's one of the dads that he actually wants to hear about your day and cares about what the hell's going on. But in a kind of, yeah, I mean, in a weird way, he just kind of, he's about himself. He at least wants you to think that. Yeah. I mean, at least it's out in the open, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's not probably his true intentions because we know what his true intentions are. He just wants to keep accumulating wealth and selling these security systems and yada, yada. Oh, and in case you haven't watched the behind the scenes, like we said, everything's only half allegory, so some things aren't really bolstered that much, but all the ideas are definitely present in the movie. Mm-hmm. In case you didn't catch on, like, the family is kind of, like, new wealth. Yeah, I mean, he even talks about that a little bit later on in the film. Yeah, they had some struggles. I mean, they also represent new wealth. Oh, yeah, for sure. The fucking crazies, what are they called, the freaks? The freaks, yeah. Are kind of, like, old wealth. But, the, but totally they're but that, they're yeah. like they would be like the super like oh they've had they're wealth like the, before they're, this they're happens. like the running things yeah. old wealth they're not just old money they're like we run this bitch old money yeah yeah exactly and the n- neighbors are old money but they're not the same kind of old uh, no money. It, they're not in the same social strata as these rich people the strata that like Ethan and Lena are in. They're just in the dying cycle of being in that strata. I totally agree with that. Yeah, you're right by, by saying the new wealth. I guess maybe another analogous way of looking at it is like the internet boom. It's like there was a lot of people getting rich off that. Right. That's like new wealth. Yeah. So and in great case way of looking at you that. never, in case like me, mm-hmm. you never see his dog tags. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. 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 That's the f- like I said the second time watching that. I didn't notice it during the first time. Like I was totally oblivious to a lot of the details. Bloody Stranger is just a whole lot of allegories wrapped up in one. Okay, we should definitely mention this. So I'll mention a few of the things that I noticed. Yeah, he's got dog tags. So he's, he's a veteran. He's a homeless war vet. Yes. I mean, his jacket, camouflage jacket, right? Mm-hmm. Dog tags. Scars as well. So he's been in some kind of physical warfare, perhaps. You know, maybe just street stuff. Who knows? But then he's also a the minority. only black character. <laughs> yeah. He's the black guy going... The fucking freaks are all wasps. Oh, yeah, dude, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like as about as conservative as it gets in this film. 
like you said, it's the old mentality, the old wealth. In a way, it's kind of like, it reminded me a little bit of Get Out, that scenario. They're all Christian Bale psycho. Oh, dude, every single last one of them. I did like their mask. You know, we do have to mention that. Their masks were pretty awesome. I think they had to choose, like, costume department. They had, like, over 100 masks to choose from, and they settled on the smile face, which I thought was really good. It's creepy. But they also said that was kind of like their way of celebrating a Halloween of sorts. It's their way of dressing up and getting to do this shit they normally aren't able to do. So, yeah. So, with Bloody Stranger, yeah. um, So, yeah. But, so, War Vet. War Vet. Homeless war vet. So homeless just by itself, because that's really pointed out in this movie, but he is also a war vet, which is another commentary. It certainly is. Which as well deals as with the wealth of and color. disparity. Yeah, and that as well being a minority. It hits on a lot of these topics that if you pay attention to it, then you'll understand it. If not, it's just, you can look at them as just another victim of these circumstances. And, I mean, it kind of sounds like we're dinging this movie for not going further one way or another with this but i guess i do on some level have to commend the writer and director for a little bit because in that making of it sounded like that that's kind of what he was going for he alluded to the fact he's like look i want people to be able to enjoy this movie like they don't i won't want them you don't have have to read too much into it about the politics while watching this because it's also just a story that's happening precisely i'm very very much you know which I like that's not that's, what he said, but I'm very, very much paraphrasing. But. Exactly. And that's not being condescending or anything like that. That's just, even though it has like these deeper meanings, you would hope, at least on the surface, it's an entertaining film for the rest of the audience. It just makes it so that when you sit down and you really like think super, super hard about some of the <laughs> yeah, things no, in this right. movie, it doesn't add up. Exactly. Also, I'm not like an economics person, but yeah. while doing research <laughs> in this movie, I did find out a little fact. And I think this is true. Mm-hmm. The internet is telling me this is true. One of the things that they spout off as being good about The Purge is that it's gotten unemployment down to 1%. Oh, yeah. Unemployment's 1%, all-time low in violence, crime uh, rates. Apparently, that only sounds good. Unemployment 1% is actually not good. Apparently, well, Yeah, when you look at it, because that means like we're at almost full capacity for employment, so those who aren't filing or just aren't looking for work that means there's a lot more of those people who don't have opportunity yeah it doesn't it help basically the means that people are stuck in jobs yeah not able to move between jobs at all and because there's no competition for jobs there's not that it mobility. drives up wages which then drive up product prices within the country oh, yeah. not even mentioning what's going on on an international level yeah, exactly. That, that's a good point. You don't think about the larger scope of what's going on here in terms of economics, yeah. But you, when you sit down and think about it, <laughs> you scratch your head a little bit about it. It sounds like, fucked Whoa. up, but apparently you actually want an unemployment rate of between like 3 to 5%. Yeah, you do need a little room for growth in whatever sectors. I mean, I know it kind of sounds fucked up statistically. It but it makes super fucked up, right? Yeah, like, but it makes sense economically. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't try to pretend to, but in just, the, I guess, the layman simplest way of looking at it, it makes sense when you stack it up against how money fluctuates and how there's mobility in work or in but the workplace. I did find that a neat little trivia fact when I was looking up shit about this movie after, after watching it. I didn't think we were talking about economics. <laughs> yeah, fucking <laughs> economics and the purge. Yeah. All right, I've got a little something yeah, to pull up here. Yeah, what do you got? All right, so this is a little point I wanted to make. And I noticed it second time through was the use of color. Uh, the use of color in film is always important, especially when you want to talk about 
some of the themes or some of the tones that it's setting. And when I started looking at the family and how they were dressed and the color scheme they were using, not only in their dress, but in the home itself, it's kind of interesting. So I looked at the family. I'll talk about them first. Most of the color they wear in the film is either black and white or mixes of blue, right? And I was like, all right, so I know this is symbolic. Black, typically, you can look at it good and bad, or Ooh. you can look at it as in terms of wealth. Who's mostly wearing blue? I'm curious about this. Some of the way. blue was Lena Headey. I think she had, at the end of the film, she was wearing a top that had blue lines in it. I'm I even curious think about that because well. they mention at a part in the movie that there's the blue flowers outside. Yeah. I had to look those flowers up too. They're called <clears throat> blue baptistas. They don't have a significance outside of just being blue. But in this and the movie, film, they have a huge influence. It means... That you support the purge. Yeah. So what you do is you set those flowers outside your home. You support the purge. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go out and purge yourself, but you support the concept and idea and you're... <laughs> you're down with it. Yeah, you're down. It's almost like you're encouraging the people who are purging. It's like, yeah, no, I have no problem. Like here. whatever other show, like it's like I endorse this fucking candidate, fucking sign in your. You know, not except not on I'm, a broader level. It's yeah. like I endorse the purge. All right. So with blue, when I, you start thinking about that, you can look at it as a conservative color. Some of the other characteristics from it is like contentment, which we're talking about. These people are content with the fact that the purge is happening. A thing of loyalty, truth, confidence, etc. The black and white I want to get back to a little bit is with the black, you can look at it as power. Like I said, you can look at it in terms of wealth, style, evil, sadness, fear, anonymity, things like that. White, of course, is like pure innocence, empathetic love. There's another thing I thought was interesting. Eastern cultures, it actually could represent death. It's like, hmm, that's interesting. Especially with Ethan Hawke's character later on in the film. So I was kind of curious what the director or the cinematographer was trying to get across with these color schemes. And I think in this is a probably simplistic approach, you know, black and white. I mean, you always see people wearing tuxedos and white gowns and shit like that. So you get this sense of they see themselves as pure, maybe a pure race in the old money's way. But with the new, it's just for them, it's probably just a concept, mm-hmm. you know, what is style. The blue, of course, we have already talked about the fact that these flowers represent the purge and what it means. And yeah, you're okay with it. It's a symbol, it's symbolic. But I thought it was kind of interesting. I noticed that in the house. There was a lot of red in the house too, with the walls and the floor and the carpeting and whatnot. So just an interesting note, I suppose. Well, see, it's funny you were noticing the use of color. One of the things I don't want to really ding the movie on, but a couple of things that were really obvious as far as like, screenwriting tropes and kind of the way that you're supposed to show things but they kind of did a a little bit sloppily in my opinion they definitely set up the checkoff shotgun oh yeah they yeah i know what you mean it's like the camera didn't start high enough in the locker so it sort of weirdly zooms in and up a little bit so you're like oh the shotgun's there before it goes down and you're like "Oh." oh and there's another gun yeah and there's his gun just so that you know that it has to be used by the third act. Otherwise, yeah. this is not a well-done movie. Yeah, I know. Like, why else would you showcase these weapons? But it's fine. Obviously, you want to set it up and know that it's there. Yeah. So that it's not like they're just pulling a magical shotgun out of fucking thin air in the third act. Mm-hmm. I just thought the actual like cinematography at that part was really fucking sloppy. Because they're like, here's your shotgun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here's your pistol. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. And there was one other thing... I don't know how across the board this actually pans out, but it's something I've sort of noticed. And 
I was like, oh, like this isn't going to end up being a story of the family getting tortured. It's going to be a story of them turning it back around. And I figured that out about a third of the way in because of the gigantic size of their house. Oh, yeah. I feel like in big house stories, they turn it around. In small house stories, they get tortured. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like almost like shacks. You know, I know what you mean. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Which I was okay with. It didn't really ruin the experience for me. But but I was like, oh. It's kind of a tell. Like, this place is so big that there's even saving some of this just for, like, tactical use later. Especially with that shotgun. Yeah, that shotgun. Let's split up in different sectors Who I think he ends up wasting, like, four people with. Yeah. We talked about, you know, you want to finish things off in this sense. It's like, you don't want to just leave things not to die. Yeah, he made sure that he pumped a couple rounds and... Oh, that, Those was, dudes. that was actually pretty dope. I was like, fuck yeah, Ethan Hawke. You don't see that happen in many horror no, movies. No, you don't. I don't was like, he was double tapping. to make sure. I was like, good, dude. He knew he wasted that girl in the game room, right? That was kind of cool. Right. That whole fight sequence was pretty decent. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was decent. It showed that they were capable. He was putting up a struggle. He wasn't afraid he was to defend his home. He was a lot more capable than I thought he was going to be. <sighs> All right. This is the inside of how I was viewing the film. <laughs> My second time when I was taking notes, I was like, man, why couldn't that fucking kid have died instead of Ethan Hawke? <laughs> oh, fucking shit. Look, I... I said, this is no discredit to the actor. No. It's just his character I didn't like. And the reason I want to say this, and the reason I have these feelings about this character is, in the film, he uses Timmy, you know, to spy, and he's seen things he probably shouldn't be seeing through the surveillance cameras and, you know, the CCTVs Which, and all that cool. stuff. Yeah, every kid does that. It's not a big deal. He seems like a practical kid, just a normal teenage boy into robotics, you know, new technology, etc. All right. He has a basic understanding of the Purge by looking at some of his drawings and shit in that little hideout. Not just right? a basic understanding. He even talked about he the did, history class. Yeah. They yeah. learned about just that day. Yeah. So he knows what it entails, right? I understand, like I said, he's supposed he to be the humanist. penises are funny. Yeah. Bump it. Give me some bump. All right. Don't bump that. So... He has this dichotomous way that he acts upon, and, you know, they're shutting down for the night. They're getting ready for the purge is what they're doing, so the house has already been fortified. And because the kid's been roving with Timmy, he notices bloody strangers, cries for help, etc. Can we go off on a small tangent? Yeah, please. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. In a world where the purge happens, where you could literally get murdered, and it's not murder, it's you got killed. Sorry. Yeah, in a way, it's like, that's on you. You could get raped. You could get whatever. Yeah. That's on you, because it's up to you to defend yourself tonight. How does it get, like, four minutes from purge time, and you have to be fucking reminded? How are you not on that shit? Like, my alarms are going off 15 minutes beforehand, so I can start making sure shit's locked down. I got plans for Going over (laughs) my fucking lockdown plans with my family. Oh, yeah. Dude, like, as a 13, 14, how old he was in this We're room, all 13, staying in the same fucking room. We're not wandering around the oh. goddamn house. Man, We're not looking fuck? at the fucking monitors unless we have a reason to. Exactly. Like, there has to be some kind of outside disturbance before I even start looking at those monitors. Not unless I'm just, you know, bored. But same thing. It's like, it didn't take very long until after... The purge started, right? Where the kid's disarming the fucking home. The kid doesn't know the disarm. Especially if I work for the goddamn security company. I'm getting some sort of thing where if something does happen to me on purge night, Mm. they're checking on my family for me. Yeah, I know, right? This is whatever, whatever. 
checking on the home. What seems to well, you know, they did say the fact that there was no emergency and shit like that. So you really couldn't. Well, get I that. mean, but maybe prior words though. Yeah, that's a good point. Especially too. if you work for the company, yeah, get just, something set up for yourself. Like, yeah, there could be like if I have a, a heart attack like, and yeah. I can't disarm it for my family, at least have the company I work for check on my family after sense. the purge for me. That would make sense. Yeah, after the purge, no doubt. Then you're back online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so the kid disarms the fucking home. He's like, hey, over here. And that's where I, I had that sense of like, oh, here comes Get Out. And he's running. <laughs> and then he slides in. All right, in my initial viewing, I was like, oh. After the freak show up, I was like, oh, maybe, they, maybe they're working in tandem. Like, oh, no, not, 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 excuse me, not the freaks. It was the, kid, the fucking boyfriend. I was oh, like, oh, Henry. they're, it's See, like scream. I thought Henry was going to be working with the freaks. <laughs> yeah. I thought that Bloody Stranger was working with Henry. Like, it was a setup. That was the reason why he was in the house. He used that dude as a distraction so he could kill Ethan Hawke's character, James. But it didn't work out that way, and that's not how it played out. Of course, we mentioned Bloody Stranger, what he signifies, what he's symbolic of. So, yeah, I totally scrapped that idea until the freaks arrived. Then I was like, oh, okay, this is totally different. They were looking for him. This is actually, he was totally legit in his storytelling. (laughs) Bloody Stranger, yeah. It's just like, oh, this little fucking white kid let me in. That's weird. (laughs) We're your parents. Henry's a character they don't flesh out enough. They really don't. Did did she just start dating him and he was 18? Or had they been dating for for a while? while. Yeah. And they knew he was going to be turning 18. Yeah. And then just cut it off even though they had already been dating for a little bit. Yeah, because like they're aware they've been dating for a bit. Yeah, I mean they know who Henry is, right? They just don't like that he's eighteen. That might not be the case. What we but don't know yet. It exactly. wasn't really made that clear. It wasn't flushed out as well as it could have been. No, I have a lot of this no has no idea what age she's supposed to be. Because if she's supposed to be like seventeen and a half, I really don't give a shit. Yeah, like sixteen, seventeen. That's not now much of an age difference. Push it. Yeah, you're starting to push it, but legally you're even in the clear in a lot of states. So yeah. <laughs> wow yeah but i mean you're not wrong (laughs) right so yeah that's you're right about that it's like that's kind of a mm, i understand it from i thought maybe they're trying to do like this romeo juliet thing with her character and the boy and nobody seemed to give a shit that he got killed anyway no like after he got dumped like all right ethan hawk at least checked up on him he at least apologized he wasn't happy that it happened but it happened you know it's part of purge night he fucked up shouldn't been shooting at me (laughs) Shouldn't sneak in my house to fucking shoot me. I know. All right, this is going to sound fucked up, but these are the facts. The actress, Adelaide Zane, was actually older than that guy. Older by, like, a fucking year. So, mm-hmm. in, in reality, she's older than him. But her character's not. She was offering it up. And he's like, no, I, I got to do this. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, that's where you first fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you, know. you have all night to get that second one done. I know, you got 12 hours, bro. <laughs> You ain't going nowhere. What this house you is doing? locked down. That's why I was thinking maybe he this was... This house is a mansion. They're not going to hear you. No. You can go for it. Yeah, come on, bro. But that's Just also... Just watch out for Timmy. Yeah, Timmy. That also played its hand a little bit to me thinking why Bloody Stranger and him might have been in cahoots because the way it was timed... You know, it was like, oh, it just he so coincidentally arrived right when old boy was going to shoot dad. So when it was shown that Timmy could play fucking... 20s music. 20s music, there was two thoughts that went through my head. First was Fallout. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Second was Mars Attacks. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where we're going with this? Are the fucking strangers going to get fucking... <laughs> oh, man. 
that kind of plays its hand a little bit to maybe what you're talking about earlier with the old wealth, like mm-hmm. the time period, what it signifies. It could even oh, allude dis- to like the that stock market the- crash and shit. I mean, I know I'm stretching here a little bit, but right. why well, else would they use 20s fucking music? The allure of the old wealth being blared through the speakers is what gets the dying new oh, wealth, yeah. the 80s yuppies, yeah. to turn their heads and be distracted at the end. Yeah, that's definitely a good way of looking at that. And that's exactly how it played out. So yeah, interesting, right? The call. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, too, I was like, there's a little, just a little pinch of like these biblical allegories they're using too with like the siren blast and shit like that. That could be... A, oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. I mean, and it was with a, how it's been sort of twisted into almost a religious aspect. Yeah, anyway. like so there's a little bit of that in this little smattering of that in this film. I mean, honestly, and I don't say this in any way to belittle it, and I really I hope nobody would take it that way that listens to our show, honestly, <laughs> with some of the other shit that we've said in the past already. Yeah. But this movie's kind of a progressive's dream in that it's a great warning fable. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can definitely look at it as a way of a precautionary tale. Like, don't let... This because it's everything turned up to yeah. 11. Yeah, this is set in the future, too. So this is kind of like a pretense, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Don't let some of these topics that we're kind of brushing lightly over evolve into yeah, what this could because happen. Partially because we're not qualified to talk about it. Oh, we don't. Yeah, we're not <laughs> professionals in any manner, but we at least can read the warning signs, right? Mm-hmm. But don't let this kind of mindset take hold because yeah. this is it turned up to 11. Yes, yeah, to- totally ratcheted up, man. But once again, that's what not actually what we're seeing in this movie no, yet. No, no. And supposedly that's what the sequels promise. Well, that's kind this of this is just I'm one family story. You're right. And that's too, you know, we talked about budget and confines and stuff. And the director mentioned that. He's like, you know, I couldn't tell a larger story like, of course, what the sequels lead to. He's like, but, you know, given the budget and given he had to use the house he's like the house was the biggest element in this film and i think they did a good job of using the house and you know how it was played out throughout like not total use but the areas they did use was like all right it's believable they made the most of what they could use in that space is what i'm getting at the fucking the chick grace was that her name yeah totally fucking word one knew that she was going to be a fucking killer yeah she wouldn't give up those fucking cookies first did you notice that yeah and then she makes those comments this neighborhood practically paid for that. I was like, oh man, she's spiteful. She's got resentment. She hates this family. I was like, oh, her party's just going to be. Yeah, you're not invited to the party. Even though we're, yeah, we're having a party. We're well, not invited. The party's going to end up being at your place. Yeah, you're the treats. You're the main course. Which I did like that twist. I mean, I kind of saw it coming. But I was like, oh, at least they played it out a little bit. As soon as I saw her, that's what I was wondering where the twist was coming. I just thought... Yeah, why else would they showcase some of those characters in the beginning? I didn't think that there was going to be the second group for the twist at the end. Yeah. And I thought Henry was working in cahoots with yeah, the, the freaks. freaks. Yeah. I like the freaks. So, <laughs> oh my decent. god, Polite Leader is amazing. He was great. Like, Holy I really liked fuck. him. Yeah, I really liked that guy. I was like, he's got a fucking Aussie mullet... He's got that sinister but kind of charming smile, and his delivery is perfect in this film. Oh, absolutely. Kind of shows off his language skills a little bit. Yeah. I wish I would have wrote down more of his fucking quotes, because he had some fucking choice. He said one about after he shot his friend in the head because the dude was fucking mouthing off, he was being belligerent. Mm -hmm. 
he said something about i'm probably going to butcher this but he's like he says present that mm-hmm. before something becomes the or you know something before that the is he yeah so, before the is he which he's talking about his friend mm-hmm. so he was like using this old english too well see what the one i liked was like the god i'm gonna fuck it up too because i didn't goddamn write it down. yeah i didn't write some of these quotes the we're gonna do what we want because wanting is our will tonight something like that Man. It's more. It's longer than eloquent. that, though. He fucking he plays with it. It's cool. I fucking dug it. He was even mentioning the daughter. He's like, uh, she's exquisite. If every one of these movies has a villain that hams it up this much, then I am in one hundred percent. They were cool. I would have liked to have seen their backstory a little. I mean, we already kind of know what their story is, but like, you know, this is not their first purge. <laughs> no, no, they've been doing this for a bit. But they were fun. There was one that was kind of weird. <laughs> I want to talk about it a little bit. It's a little it involved a fetish. If you're into tickling. Oh, yeah. That tickling was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like, they didn't really do anything with it. But I, I was laughing. I caught myself laughing. I was like, this is fucking funny. <laughs> well, Why did they, they do this, this just here? for me? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to rewind this. <laughs> I know. It's like, I, I caught again. myself and slowing and it again. down and <laughs> watching it. And again. <laughs> yeah, no, right? I was like, this is all it's right. It's only like six seconds. It's going <laughs> to... I got an hour. <laughs> Right. So now I thought it was kind of funny that they employed that. You know how much you want to read into it to one thing, but it's like that was a funny, weird way of doing that scene. Like I liked it <laughs> more than I should have. So I'm kind of wondering. I don't think the other films do, from what I've seen of them, which is not anything besides the trailers. Mm-hmm. But we did talk about the fact that this movie only goes in the murders, but all crimes are legal. Yeah, I mean. We've already mentioned that. Yeah. They just happen to focus on the murder aspect in this particular film. Right. Like, like what the shit's going on? Rape, like, you name it. It's... We could just pirate all the movies. We <laughs> <laughs> could. Damn. Yeah. Scott Frey don't even need a VPN or any of that shit. <laughs> just mine. Mine. That, that's mine. That's mine. Mine. <laughs> I mean, you could even loot, you know, external hard drives and it's cool. I <laughs> got all the backup I need. I <laughs> got all the movies, all the games. I wonder what all the extent is. Yeah. Well, I mean, they laid down a little bit of those fine rules, like certain government officials are off limits. But I think the extent of crime in itself... Yeah, but I mean, is somebody closing a fucking insider trading deal (laughs) during the purge 12 hours? Oh, man, there's all kinds of (laughs) fucked up shit that's legal if you think about it. I mean, I'm going to say it. Pedophilia, necrophilia. Right. Child running prostitution rings you know all that crazy shit i mean i did run into a thread where they were talking about that when i was looking up shit on this movie and somebody did point out that even most of the time in prisons like fucking pedophiles get preyed upon yeah so if the purge is happening if anybody's fucking diddling kids during the purge they're probably gonna get fucked up oh by the end of the night, so. yeah you're gonna get fucked up bro <laughs> big time for good reason i mm-hmm. mean come on but it also lends its hand that, like, it's not off limits right. either, you know, uh, just fucked up. You can also plan it all year long. You could. Because it's not, it to plan. you can't premeditate murder if it's not legally murder. Yeah, you'd be off scot-free because of that 12-hour window you got. Right. It's not legally murder at that time, so you can't have... You can't say it was premeditated. You can't have, yeah. You can't have it, yeah, if it's legal, or if it's not illegal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a kind of interesting way of looking at that. And thinking about the larger scope of what these crimes entail. That being said, one of my favorite things about this was even though they did sort of have to confine it and it was home invasion, 
Like I said, I mean, even though we're like picking at things in this movie, I fucking really dug this movie. No, I did too, man. I think this was a lot it, more enjoyable than I thought it was going to. I thought I was going to like it going into it, and I liked it more than I ended up thinking. I got I was a lot more to. out of it than I was anticipating. That's for fucking sure. You know, sometimes getting into these films, you don't know exactly what you're going to get out of it, if how simple it is. No, you're right. When you said the director and who happens to be the writer, of course. Even the producers, you know, because they were lending hands and concepts and ideas and whatnot. For as simple as the premise is, for as simple as they make this film out to be, there's a lot of really interesting topics we can talk about all day. Like I said, how conservative are these people? And we don't know anything really about these founding fathers, who they are, the new how they got... Fathers. Yeah, exactly. The new founding fathers. Which apparently we're going to learn about, considering yeah. the first purge is coming up. Oh, man. That's why I'm, I'm really looking forward to these other titles. You See know? how the mythology builds? Yeah. So... You know, we talk about platforms. Films is definitely one because of all these different topics they hit upon. It has a larger scope to think about in terms of America. Well, I mean, apparently this is the only place right now that it's taken place in. We don't know if it's taken place in Europe quite yet or if it plans on doing that. Like, who's going to pick up on these concepts around the world? Purge. Brexit. <laughs> Brexit. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, there's a lot of trade deals we could be talking about there. Trans-Pacific. Um, but even with all that shit, one of my favorite things in this movie was the opening credit sequence where you just saw the random purge footage from the different years from the different cities. How many different cities were you paying attention to? I didn't pay attention to the different cities, but I did notice that it spanned at least three years. You know, that's a good point, too. And we should talk about the date a little bit because it does have a significance if you look at it. Well, because the purge is happening right now. <laughs> the date that it takes place on is... March 21st. So if you write it out, 3, 2, 1. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And concludes on the 22nd. So it kind of ends that loop. I thought that was kind of interesting. We should talk a little bit about why this concept came to fruition in the first place with the director. So, from well, first I, off, I want to say that yeah. I think everybody's had a oh, version of had this it. idea. Everybody's had it at least sometime or another, especially if at you're least a driver a of it. or. Yeah. You don't even have to be a driver. You can just be a pedestrian for that matter. <laughs> So the driver, who happened to be the director, was with his wife, and apparently some drunk guy had, like, cut them off, mm -hmm. and he's like, you know, he basically could have killed him. He confronted him at a stoplight, and it, the guy was, you know, he was unapologetic, you know, and they wound up getting into a fist fight, and the cops had to get called out, et cetera, et cetera. And the director mentioned that his wife told him, she's like, I wouldn't it be nice to have... One day where you could just kill somebody. Or she said one free one. Oh, one free one. Yeah, you know. And you're and still he like. expanded that. And she's he's like, he's wow. Like, that's he's like, dark, honey. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, she's a really sweet woman, but that's super dark. But who hasn't had that idea run across their mind? You one know, in bits one, of rage. One free day, one yeah, something. If you could, you know, you playing that if game or what if. Exactly. There was even, I used to listen to a lot of Tell Him Steve Dave, another podcast. yeah. yeah. And they even had an episode where they were talking about, like, a version of this where it's like, what if everybody in the world was born with the power to slap a person out of existence? <laughs> now, it, it be wouldn't be like slaps. they were completely gone. You wouldn't, it wouldn't be you. like you killed them. They would be transported to, okay. like, a parallel universe. Wow. But they would be gone from this one. That'd be interesting. But everyone in the world has this huh. power and you can only use it once. But see, that's just a version of this. It really is. The only difference, I guess, if I want to, you know, put my two cents in, is you're playing with the multiple universe theory. That's right. that's the only difference. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, you could use you're the same still concept. You kill somebody here, but 
they would transport them possibly to an alternate universe where mm-hmm. they're still alive. So, you wouldn't, so it's not like you killed them, but <laughs> yeah. you also took them away from everything they loved, took them away from yeah. everyone. Man, that's pretty heavy, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty heavy, Steve Dave. <laughs> no, I, I like that because that's another concept you could play with, really. You know, how, how sci-fi you want to get with it or whatever. What I want to get at was the fact that this is a platform film, too. And these are some of the ideas that can sprout from it. Now, they lay down a different foundation, but who says you can't play with these ideas and concepts? Right. At the very end, I kind of thought last minute, like last second, Lena was going to kill them all. <laughs> she could have. I mean, she had the opportunity to, but no, she wanted to end the night in peace. I kind of thought that after like hours of sitting there and staring at them and I just know. ensuring the peace, you know what? Fuck it. she was just going to be like, no, fuck it. You know, that lends to the fact that those neighbors could premeditate, not premeditate all of next year. Right. <laughs> you should have killed this bitch. Oh, next day, Lena's moving away, right? Oh, you would fucking hope so. I was thinking they're probably going to sell this house and now. <laughs> move to Canada. You know, I think the practical thing in those situations, if you have the mobility to do it, is you wouldn't stick around in the States for that See, one here's day. the thing. Lena, at least, is Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. So oh, we yeah, know yeah. that yeah, she yeah. can survive against some pretty fucked up odds. So uh, considering, yeah, I think after yeah. this, now she knows what's capable. She won't hide behind walls that aren't actually going to guarantee her safety. Yeah. She's going to be proactive in her defense, not kill people out of just killing them. But I think from here on out, the family is going to be tighter than ever. They're going to need a lot of therapy, but I think she has the money for yeah. it. One thing I can say about the family unit as they were <laughs> at that moment we already know the daughter and the mom. We know they're capable. They're, they're going to shoot. They're going to act. Kid, he's worthless. <laughs> Fucking worthless. I wish they would have killed him. Yeah. Sorry. Ethan Hawke should have lived in this movie. He was awesome. I liked him in this movie a lot. And so there was one other thing in this movie that left me scratching my head, and it's actually my last note. When Ethan, he's like, fuck. Like, my wife's right. My daughter's right and shit. Like... I've got to do the, hu- yeah, the human like, thing. I'm going to not fucking give this guy up. I'm going to fucking... Fend, you know. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to turn the tides. I'm okay. going to arm my family. Yeah. And we're going to fucking take down the freaks. as they. We're going to lay a trap for them when they come in. We're going to kill these fuckers. I'm going to interject just for a moment there. And I'm also going to leave the black guy tied up. <laughs> that was fucked up. The, the part I want to interject on is during that moment where he has like, all right, we're, yeah, like you were saying, we're not going to kill this guy. We're going to instead defend this house, right? And I was thinking, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny because 300 is about Sparta. We must protect this house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this well, is I just Sparta. thought it was fucked oh, up. He's like, no, nope, I'm going to do the humane thing. Yeah. Not kill this guy. <laughs> not turn him over. Yeah. I'm going to protect gonna, my family and my house, but we're going to leave him. him tied up. I can understand that he didn't trust the guy 100% completely. And she fucking shanked him with that damn letter opener. That's why I knew she was capable right then and there. Even though she didn't like it. But uh, it's still fucked up. <laughs> it's still fucked up. A few things I did want to talk about before I mm-hmm. wrap this up is... Some of the endings were kind of quick and they were abbreviated per se. Is Ethan and the plight leader, they both got wasted like that. They had this huge build up. They were strong, capable characters. But their demise was like... God damn it, that I was quick. I kind of thought Ethan was going to end up pulling through to the end. It looked like it because he turned over and was like, oh, he's going to get through this. Mm-hmm. He didn't get through this. The kid used the watch. Like, God damn it. <laughs> he's done. I knew that 
he was done. So that was one thing. Like I said, the guy was giving his little speech. He was actually about to fucking waste them. And then the daughter wound up killing him. I was like, oh, of course she would have. So I knew she was capable. She became a little jaded, too, after her concussion. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, nothing's ever going to be I okay thought that again. was weird. I thought something. I thought more was going to be played with that. I thought that yeah. was going to be played up for more tension. Uh, yeah, probably for more dramatic sake, I suppose. But, I mean, her character was essentially what it was just uh you know basic 17 year old white girl <laughs> her character was simple like it's still like i said not harping on the kid as the actual kid but the, his character man another thing i didn't realize until the second time was he was actually like inside the house i was like oh he's using timmy to look for the guy i, I was like oh he's actually helping the family it's like oh no he actually led the guy to his fucking yeah his secret hideaway and i was thinking that because i was paying attention as much as i should have i thought that scene was kind of cool how he kept yeah i was like oh that's what he was doing because I, I was thinking it's like how the fuck did that guy know where his secret hideout was and i was like oh the fucking kid was leading him to it the whole time that's like look at me <laughs> look at me i was like all right that's where the kid the kid is still wanting to save the guy mm-hmm. all right it's like all right so i caught that the second time through <laughs> i didn't so much the first one but um, like I so said, kudos to him because he sold his part, mm-hmm. much like the kid in the Baba Duke. He was a fucking pain in the ass, but good actor. Yeah, <laughs> he did his part, man. Yeah, I can't no, say anything outside that's of that. Absolutely true. Music didn't overwhelm me in this film. You know what actually impressed me more with this movie was how often it used silence to really good effect. It really did, and I don't want to like think that that's getting down on the composer. For no, this. no, 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 no. That's but not this movie saying, but used really good moments. Very minimalist. Yeah, very bring out like tension and atmosphere and such. So he used it in the moments that it should have been used in, mm-hmm. which was perfectly fine. And there was like three pieces that he didn't compose that he used in this film, which is fine. You know. Yeah, I wasn't one that stood out is what I'm getting at. But that's no discredit to Whitehead as a composer. No. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, outside of that, I recommend this to people who are kind of on the fringe. Yeah, or I would too. Kind of like what we did. We kind of put it on the back burner, you know? Maybe don't watch it twice in two days. Yeah. You know, say, not unless you want to kind of analyze it like we do but and see where we kind of miss shit, but... No, I dug this movie. Um, I really did. It made me a lot more excited for the fact that we chose to jump into this. Yeah trilogy soon to be quadrilogy soon to add in a tv series yeah i I did mention i looked at the cast of some of the future films just to see who they were Mm -hmm. and there's some really cool people who are going to pop up in some of these films i'm looking forward to it cool yeah this has me way more excited I was already excited because I had already heard that they get better as they go on. Yeah, likewise. They really jump that. into the bigger picture. And this has me more excited to do that. And to see if they maybe get a little bit more explicit as they go mm-hmm. on with a higher yeah, budget. Yeah. Maybe they do, you know, considering some of the things that we talked about. Like, you know, are they just going to focus on the murder aspect or are they going to show the bigger picture at, at play? I mean, people out there that are listening have watched all of them. And yeah, they no, know like, the these answers fucking rookies. to all these things. <laughs> But so, okay, give us time. We're going to be there in a couple of weeks. We'll be there. We'll we'll be just deep in the purge. Oh, we are. We're already purging. Um, yeah. Right now, we're wrist deep. Next week, we're going to be elbow deep. Mm, you know, I like my elbow knuckle. That's right. <laughs> All right. So, in order to keep listening to us as we go next week into the purge anarchy, please hit subscribe on however you're listening to us. If you don't like how you're listening to us, you can go to our website, www.friedsworms.com. Links are up the top, or you can stream us way down at the bottom. You can find us over on Facebook, Fried Squirms. We will not sell your data. No, we won't. <laughs> we don't do that. 
<laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Fried Squirm. And we still tweet from time Instagram, time. Fried Squirm's podcast. Still like the pictures. You can message us. Email us squirmcast at gmail.com or use the contact feature on our website. We know it works. And yes, Mark Wand, it was 73. <laughs> and is that it? It's all I can think about. So if you still want to hear us talk about the purge, continue along the journey with us. We're gonna continue purging. Yeah, all the way until but not July really, 4th. Like honestly, I'm probably gonna go eat pretty soon. Oh yeah, I'm kinda getting hungry. My, yeah. my stomach was growling a few times. So that's gonna happen. But fried squirms? Out. out.